Hello, can you hear me? This is episode eight, folks. Getting into a little Adele there. That's how I'm starting it. Yeah. All right. All right. You do Adele. This is judgment free zone over here. Judgment free zone. That's right. Uh, How's everybody doing? Hope you're doing well. This is episode eight of Up in Your Business. Brought to you you by Adele. uh, Adele sings a little bit better than you do. Sounds a a tiny bit better. All right. All right. Sorry not to cut you off. That's all right. So episode eight here, uh, Up in Your Business, brought to you by Mike and Mike here at Focus Ford Media. Um, Today's episode's pretty long, uh, so get ready. But uh, if you're into business, entrepreneurship, um, the tech world, you're really going to love this one. Um, Really cool story uh, from a local guy we met recently. He goes by the name of Adam Alpert. Uh, graduated from Brown, um, so stay tuned for his story. Even though he's so young, he has a lot of experience and just foresight. It's cool to see. Yeah, cool he's to see a, someone that age that's able to do that. Yeah, yeah. For being 23, 24, he's got like a lot of experience under his belt and a lot of knowledge. And he went uh, to Alaska for way too long. Yeah, but way too no, long. No spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> You'll hear about it. Uh, it's time for our pre-production, our articles. Um, I'm going to start this one off. Uh, so here's the headline. What you got? Shaq is investing in nine Papa John's locations, Ooh. and he's joining the board. That's because Papa John actually quit the real Papa John. That's true. Uh, so Shaquille O'Neal, you might know him. You might have heard about him. Uh, used to play a little basketball. Uh, he's investing in nine. Yep, nine Papa John's locations. And this came as a huge surprise to me because I had no idea he had anything to do with the restaurant world. But apparently, he's got a lot of experience in the restaurant uh, industry. When you're rich, I think you just put your money where you're going to make more anywhere. money. Yeah. So uh, this came out today, actually. Uh, and he'll become a brand ambassador for the pizza chain. He's joining the board of directors. Uh, and all the locations are in the Atlanta area. Um, so it says here, we are thrilled to partner with Shaquille and welcome him to the Papa John's board. Jeff Smith, and he's the Papa John's chairman. Um, new chairman. New chairman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, here it is. It's, it, this is where it shocked me. He's no stranger to the restaurant business. I guess he owns a crispy, uh, crispy cream franchise in Atlanta, and he previously owned twenty-seven Five Guys Burgers and Fries locations. Big boys got to eat, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he also owns a fast casual fried chicken restaurant in Las Vegas and a fine dining restaurant in L.A. So, no longer basketball. He's just like the restauranteer. Do you think it's it's not really him running it though? It's probably his team. Yeah, probably. probably. I mean, he's got plenty of money to just tell people, "Hey, go go run this." Yeah, I mean, it's Shaq. So. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't play basketball anymore, right? No. no. Okay. He, he, uh, <laughs> he's he, been out a long time. Yeah. No, he does like the pregame shows and like the halftime shows. Okay. And he's hilarious. Him and Charles Barkley always bicker with each other. Yeah, it's yeah. Fun. It's funny. Oh, okay, cool. Um. So yeah, that's it. Uh, Shaq is getting uh further into the restaurant game. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, good pretty, for Shaq. Yeah, cool for him. Oh, um, I got a, uh, I got one that's uh, April fourteenth. Yep. Um, big things. I don't think you watch it. No, it's Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Never seen it. Never seen it. Part of that small population. So there's these YouTube videos off topic, but there's these YouTube videos you can watch. Yep. And they're each ten minutes a piece, and they recap an entire season. Really? So if you haven't watched, I think it's seven seasons. I'm, yeah, there's a lot. I think. I don't know. Um, you can just go and recap them all within like a little bit over an hour. So That's if crazy. you want to watch this new season, you don't want to watch, you don't want to dedicate a year to watching the other seasons. <laughs> it's and probably do how that. long it would take. Or you can do this, where um, it just came out today. Yep. 
that uh let me see here i got the article uh the details about the season eight premiere leaked oh all over reddit and youtube oh boy so gave away everything that's going to happen in the first episode what uh everybody's freaking out um don't go look the video was removed but you know of course it's still on reddit reddit's the the all-knowing of the internet yep and um fans are pissed which of course you've been waiting what two years for this and now this is going to happen yep um i mean it's impossible to try to stop a leak you can't from it you can't but i mean yeah people are going to put it out there spoilers are going out yeah so i mean you got what's what's today march you got a little little a couple weeks couple weeks left until uh the end of march yeah until the premiere so just i guess stay off of youtube or reddit before then if you don't (laughs) want to ruin game of thrones yeah don't uh don't go looking for the spoilers but i was just thinking that must suck for the actors you you put all this time i read something that there was one battle scene like the cumulative battle scene took like are you giving away spoilers no 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 spoilers no spoilers (laughs) production spoilers oh i see it took months to film you said yeah yeah it took months to film just one battle scene battle scene that's how much work goes into the show and to put in all that work and have someone ruin it like that production's a lot of work folks yeah in case you didn't know yeah yeah take it from us yeah (laughs) but yeah Um, that's all i got cool yeah i'm part of that small population i've never seen game of thrones and Almost all of my friends have watched almost all of it, if not all of it. Yeah, I'm surprised too because usually you get on the uh, you get on the fads. You get I going try, with them. I try, but uh, nope, nope, not me. Hey, uh, maybe this year or this season. Maybe yeah. we'll see. <laughs> read the Wikipedia. You can do that yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. I'll just read for the spoilers. Uh, cool. So um, let's just get right into this interview. Um, it is brought to you by Dev Hero. Uh, Dev Hero is a local audio engineer and web developer here in Rhode Island. Uh, Very talented guy. His name is also Mike. Uh, Go check out his work at dev-hero.com. Tell him we sent you and and say hello. Check out his work. Uh, I'm I'm recording. You ready? I'm good. Now everything you said will be forever hold against you (laughs) sounds good all right adam thanks for coming in today glad to be here uh why don't you tell the uh tell the listeners who you are and just give us a little intro sounds good uh what's up world my name is adam i'm originally from new york came to rhode island in 2013 to attend school i went to brown started off as a film concentrator which they call mcm ended up being history uh got really fed up with you know how do i find video projects as a freelancer so Ended up starting a company right out of graduation here in Rhode Island mm-hmm. um, in 2017. Fell in love with Rhode Island. Been here for the last you know 18, going on 24 months, and uh, live here, work here, want to stay here, and cool. love everything Rhode Island. Cool. All right, so we are going to uh, start here with 20 questions. All right. Sounds good. Favorite color? Green. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Left or right? Right. Pick a number one to ten. Seven. Favorite number? 23. Coffee or tea? Tea. Favorite liquor? Uh, a little Balvini, twelve. Ooh, all right, yeah. iced coffee or hot coffee? Fancy iced coffee. Steak or chicken? Steak. Mac or PC? Mac. Last time you ran a mile? Uh, I played squash this week. I don't know if that's a mile. <laughs> like cardio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So close. Yeah. Maybe we'll yeah, I, I probably did a mile while playing that. All right, there you go. Is cool. your favorite number twenty three for MJ? Uh, no, there's a movie called 23, which is super spooky, and there's okay. like this prevalence of 23 in my life. It just keeps popping up everywhere so i don't know if it's like a like a psychological psychological thing but there's just these patterns that like literally the street i live on there's a telephone pole that has 23 on it and i think it's lucky so and you're 23 years old and And you're 20 wow yeah Yeah. 
Well, you're not going to stay 23. So well, I better make the most of these next two months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the last guy said seven. He too, said seven. When yeah. he said one to ten. So that's funny. All right, Adam. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about where you grew up and, um, you know, how'd you get here? Yeah, sounds good. So I grew up about 45 minutes north of Manhattan. Okay. So suburbs of New York, uh, upstate for everyone in Manhattan, but might as well be New York City for everyone. Yeah. North nah, of no, it's it's, a, there's yeah. a whole world up, you know, in Albany and Syracuse and Buffalo. It's just, a, it's like really north of the wall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> north of the wall. <laughs> so I, I grew up in, in, in this beautiful place in, in, in Harrison, New York. Went to school in a town called Rye. Uh, four wonderful sisters who mm-hmm. are doing incredible things. Three cool. older one younger and let's see, it, it was it was always interesting being in a family with four siblings yeah because there's just so much going on everyone's competing for attention and <laughs> everyone was all my sisters are so superbly brilliant um that's like to stand out you have to find something that's unique to you and, yeah and, and for me I, I was lucky that at, at a young age i fell in love with video i got cool. my first video camera when i was in sixth grade um, and I would have like my, my, my friends come over on the weekends and we'd run around the house with Nerf guns and Nerf guns were big for me because yeah. I'd use them to annoy my sisters. Of course. So what <laughs> I would do, to. what I would do is I'd like, my sister would like lock the door. I'd be bucking her and she'd like, all my sisters had locks on the doors. So I wasn't old enough to have a lock. So what I would do was there was this like crack under the door and I would take like an ax can cause I had this whole collection of like ax and old spice. Right? Of course. Like, when you're that age. Yeah. 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 12 year old kid. And I would like spray it under the door for like <laughs> four. And that, that stuff's pungent. Oh, right? it's very strong. Yeah. So like five, six, seven, eight seconds, you know, and they come the out whole screaming. Room. And oh, I had yeah. my whole arsenal of Nerf guns just ready to <laughs> yeah, video the whole thing. Uh, so awesome. my buddies would come over every weekend. we make these fun little videos. I, I taught myself how to use iMovie. I found a copy of Final Cut Pro 7 back in the day. Found. found somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> taught myself how to use it, and I just I fell in love with it. I, I It unleashed just creative potential in me that I never realized I had. I would yeah. just have an idea for some fun, funny scene or some movie or some shot I wanted to make, and my buddies and I, we'd pick up the camera and just put it together, stitch yeah. it together, and this is right around the time where YouTube was becoming really prevalent, so... We were able to throw stuff online, and I actually had a video that ended up getting over a million views. Did you really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. What it, was it? It was so stupid. Is it? I so it. I was really into paintball. Yeah. Uh, that was like, I used to think I was going to join the armed services when I was growing up. Oh, I was wow. like super into History Channel, Military Channel, Army yeah. Men. Um, I was like a strategist. I just loved it. So paintball was like my outlet. So I would, I, w- I would always tinker with, with the paintball markers and like get different accessories and like build all these things. So I, I like put together this kind of like Frankenstein looking gun, threw it on YouTube yeah. and uh, it sat there for a couple of years and probably around halfway through high school. One day I started getting like a notification on, on like my like random, like old AOL account, which was my like YouTube yeah, account. YouTube, yeah. And then I got another comment and another comment and another comment. And this thing had been sitting at like a thousand views for like three, four years. I made yeah. it when I was like, you know, 13 yeah. and now I'm like 15 or 16. I'm like in like middle high school, like sophomore, junior year, like, and this video starts ripping. It starts getting like a thousand views a day, 5,000 views a day, like 10,000 views a day. And like for a period of like six months, just kept going. You can't find it. My sisters made me take it down. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> find I have a screenshot. I have evidence. Why but, were uh, they? Were they in the video? No, they yeah. just they, they thought that ha- me having a video of like just like shooting guns in my backyard, which was a paintball gun, wasn't a good look for me uh, when Pangea started like becoming a thing. Yeah, true. Uh, so they were like, let's not have you on YouTube. Damn. But were you getting paid for ads off that? I wasn't eighteen. 
So I, I was I didn't qualify. I, w- I probably made a would have made a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Should have thrown it in your parents' name or something. Yeah, yeah right. it was incredibly controversial though. It had like about ten thousand likes and like ten thousand dislikes. You've never seen a YouTube video was like as yeah, liked and disliked. Even. Well, that's yeah. how I feel like a lot of people controversial. Sells. Yeah. You know, it, it gave me a thick skin though to be honest because true, true. you had all these people hiding behind computer screens just saying like Comment making fun of this like 12 year old with a paintball yeah. gun i made a couple of like errors and what i was saying about it like on the yeah. video and they just like r- ripping gutless yeah. yeah yeah so I, i'd say it gave it ended up being uh, a really enlightening experience for me because yeah. it was cool to kind of see how something could just go viral and blow up yeah and it was also interesting to see how people could try to react react and tear you down and as like a teenager dealing with that definitely taught me in the future how to just like let a lot of that stuff just like kind of roll off. Roll your shoulder. Uh, that, yeah, that's interesting. Cause I was actually, when I was at the gym this morning, I was watching TV and there was something on the news that was like, Oh, depression and social media, big link in science. And they interviewed these like four, probably 12, 13, 14 year olds. And they were like, Oh, like what, what do you think about social media and what happens? And these kids are like, Oh, well when I'm at home and I'm seeing all my friends out, it just really makes me sad that I'm not with them. And I'm like, Damn, come on. Like, yeah, FOMO's real. Thicken up. Come yeah, on. No, like, FOMO's a real when thing. When I was a kid, like, if you weren't, you know, like, I mean, I didn't have Instagram when I was a kid, but, like, get a thick skin. Come on. It's anyway. interesting. I mean, like, people now, it's like technology has done so much to connect, like, the world broadly, but on a yeah. community level, it's really torn it apart, in my yeah. opinion, because you can just sit on your phone all day and you see all your friends having all this fun. People are, it's very selective what people show too, like on Instagram True, and for sure. on Facebook. Yeah. So people like get a glimpse of all these things and no one wants to get left out. And the whole just way social media is constructed is all about like getting that affirmation and getting likes and comments. Right. I, mean, right. I see it with Gen Z yeah. and it's insane. It's not about actually building relationships or being somewhere like enjoying experience. It's about how am I going to project this yeah. to the world? Yeah. And are people going to think this is cool? So everyone's like trying to fit in. Right. Even if it's not the best time that you're having, it's like, all right, how can I take this photo? So everybody thinks I'm having the greatest time too yeah so i so that message is portrayed yeah it's like you go to restaurants with terrible food but the food looks great right <laughs> you know, yeah like that. <laughs> isn't that the truth jesus uh so so you're in new york and then um you go to where'd you go to school um so i went to college at brown yep um, right here in rhode island right here in rhode island um what made you pick brown a couple things um i i i i knew i wanted to to get involved in film and I, from the outside in, I, I thought I really would like Brown's approach to film. So I initially wasn't that interested in like NYU or Tisch because I figured, you know, the best experience and the best way I'm going to learn is by doing. Mm-hmm. And I figured I should approach my education a little bit more broadly. And Brown has this tremendous thing called the open curriculum. So there's no gen eds. So you come in and oh, wow. you have your only requirement is take a writing class. Essentially. So you have tremendous freedom over your academic career. So I was able to go in there and I thought, you know, I like their approach to film. I would do like a couple production courses and I'd get a lot of theory and then I'd be able to experiment with other stuff. So obviously once I got to Brown, started MCM, I took my first class in theory and I just, I had an itch. It's like, I just need to be making films. I need to be on the ground, talking to people, taking my ideas, making them real. I just, I couldn't sit in a classroom and talk about theory. Um, So I was able to go into history and within history, I was able to really construct my own uh, approach. So I, I constructed my entire focus in history around how film is used to construct historical narratives. And in particular, I studied the Algerian War of Independence. And as it's told, there's one particular film from this Italian filmmaker, um, Ponte Corvo, uh, uh, 
the battle for Algiers, how a film, even uh, a fictional film, can enter into larger historiography and be used in historical context to teach about where we are today. So I found a really interesting way to approach my love for film yeah. within academia. And then Brown also allowed me to focus on CS and neuroscience and physics and archaeology and political science. And I took all these different classes that I wouldn't otherwise have touched. So that's what really attracted me to Brown. Yeah. It was, I applied early and initially it was a choice between Brown or Vanderbilt. I love that. It's in Nashville. Oh, okay. Uh, and I, and I firmly believe that Providence is the next Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. Not the weather though. Not the weather. Just not the weather. But uh, we have bluegrass here. Nick and Nee's every Wednesday night, big bluegrass night. Yeah. And uh, we have a lot of things that have made Nashville really amazing in the last decade. Yeah. We have right here in Providence. That's interesting. Uh, it took me a while to uncover that. But, yeah, yeah. Have you uh, been to Nashville before? Like, uh, my, my, so my co-founder, uh, his sister's down in Nashville. Okay, cool. Uh, and his parents are thinking about moving down there. Um, I visited there um, when I was visiting Vanderbilt. And uh, I spent actually a week down in Tennessee with some of my friends on a hiking trip. Yeah. This past December, nice. But I haven't been there recently. Yeah. I've heard Nashville is awesome. Though. It's a hip town. Is it? Monica's yeah. going there in a couple months for a bachelor party. Have you ever been? No. no. Is it like as artsy as Providence? Is like that kind of the feel that you're talking about? There's a, there's a, there's, a, there's a big music scene. Yeah, down yeah, of there course. Yeah. It is is probably where they have a one up on us. But yeah. we have a ton of talent here, and we have a ton of creative capital here as well. Yeah. I mean, we we call ourselves a creative capital, and I really believe that we will become the creative capital. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that's New York, and then yeah. uh, how I came to Rhode Island. And so that was how long ago? Now, because you graduated when? I was 2017. Okay, so I matriculated in 2013. And you lived obviously you didn't commute <laughs> obviously, uh, so you lived in like round Providence all four years. Yeah, let's see. I was on campus, and then I moved off. So I've been living in an apartment with friends now for the last I don't know, three, four years. How do you like living with roommates? Uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah. I have found myself being the one who kind of handles all the utilities and like yeah. collecting rent checks. So yeah, it's like, yeah. I'm kind of like an informal, being organized. Yeah, it's like a it's a thankless job. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I like it because I get to come home and, and see my friends. And, yeah, and it's fine. So I don't cool. mind it. Some people scoff at it. Yeah. I mean, again, like I grew up with four siblings. Yeah, so like, so I'm, you're so, used I'm so used to like people leaving stuff around and yeah. like all, people coming in and out. And yeah, it's fun. So I'm I like being around people yeah so i do get energy from it yeah yeah true. Uh, it can be challenging because like you're always with people so you yeah. don't really have like your own space yeah you have how many bedrooms is it? do you guys have your own five five bedrooms yeah so it's a full house oh wow That's yeah big. it's Jeez. yeah it's do you do you work all from home or you guys have an office oh i can't uh, work from home no i i i, go to coffee shops. I my co-founder works from home yeah he loves it yeah i can't i so i have an office space actually through brown Oh, cool. Uh, I work at an engineering building. Oh, cool. Uh, I help mentor grad students. And uh, in exchange for being available to the grad student, they kind of give me a chair and a desk. Nice. Um, so we'll, we'll be there probably through the end of summer, and then we're hoping to move into CIC. But for me, like, I need to have a place where I go, yeah. get up, and, like, get to the office. Yeah. So like, I have my routine. I get up in the morning, do my mm -hmm. workout, like, do everything, and I get dressed up. Yeah. And I go, I sit at my desk, and I get shit done. Yeah. I can't do it. If I'm at home, there's, like, endless things to clean and there's laundry and there's yeah. things to sweep and there's dishes to do and there's clothes that need to be you right. know, donated it's just like there's an endless list of things yep um so like i just can't i need to get out of the house it's funny because we were actually talking to one of our prior guests who um we were kind of comparing the kind of same thing like working from home versus working uh from an office and 
the whole thing was basically what you just kind of summarized is like mindset. Like you're coming here, you're getting things done for some people. They can't do it. You know, there's too many distractions. Mm -hmm. I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I get really distracted. I'll probably work longer days if I'm at home because I just get distracted. Whereas like if I'm here, like I feel like I'm more productive and just like getting things done, like more concise. Yeah. So that way I can go home and, not be going home at midnight. Like my home is my bed. Like that's yeah. literally, I, I get up, I'm out of the house at 8 a.m. I yeah. come home at 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night. Right. I like brush my teeth, I sleep, I go to sleep, yeah. I wake up, I shower, I'm out. Yeah. Like I like don't have time to cook. I don't have anything in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm the same way. My stove has been used once, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't in. get it. Yeah. My roommates cook. They're, they're, they're better with it. Yeah. I would like to cook. I'm spending too much money buying food. Yeah. But that's one of the nice things about Providence is like I could... If There's I was in New York, I would be, I would be, if I was in New York or Boston, I'd be screwed. Oh yeah. Cause the food is like, more when every options. meal is like $5 more, I mean, you're spending like That's a hundred dollars a week. It just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't add up. I've been yeah. big on the DoorDash lately too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm real lazy when it comes to that. <laughs> <laughs> so one of our advisors founded a company called Foodler. Yeah. Foodler. I feel and, like I've heard of that. Yeah. They got bought by Grubhub. Oh, okay. And, uh, so I'm, I'm super into like, the, I, we, I live off Grubhub. My co-founder lives off. So he's at home. Yeah. Doesn't uh, cook as much, so he's, he lives off Grubhub too. That's funny. Does he do the thing where he lets the uh, he writes in the notes like front doors open, give me couch delivery? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but when he when he hears this, I bet you'll start doing it. Yeah, because that's my new level of laziness is doing that. I mean, he'd have to go downstairs <laughs> and unlock the door, so that would already require him getting you know up and out of the room. True, so. true. But if you're going to the bathroom, you can do it on the way there. You know, oh, the bathroom's on the same floor. Like he's on the second floor, so the bathroom's oh, on the second God. floor. So like it's the stairs, you know. <laughs> Oh my so God. I guess his movement, you know, like <laughs> he goes, he like, he's incredible. He's brilliant. He, 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 he'll, he'll, he sleeps, he wakes up, he codes, he goes back to sleep, wakes up, he codes. Jeez. Like he just like rolls over computer, knock out, wake up. Yeah. Code. It's nuts. I can't do it. No, I need to like same. get up and like sit and like have my desk. Yeah. You need like the variety. I feel like well, at least I do too. Like yeah. the variety in your day of going somewhere and this is your workspace. Yeah. This is where you're going to work. Yeah. yeah. Not being in the same four walls for yeah, but everyone's Endless. different. I mean, yeah. it also reflects our personalities. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. true. yeah you're um, more like the front runner of the company, like uh, the speaker, like spokes, not spokesman, but like you kind of, you know, when there's someone talking, need something needs to be said. You're the one that's going to say it. He's going to code the. You can think product. that I'm like I'm like the mouth and the arms. Yeah, and yeah. he's the thinking behind it. Yeah, um, we work really well together. Good. Yeah, we're like yeah. polar opposites as people, um, and I think that creates for really complementary. Uh, 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 relationships. So yeah. like, he's incredibly analytical, incredibly thoughtful. He's the technical lead. He does all the products, uh, and then I handle all the marketing, all the relationships. Yeah, ultimately the fundraising. Right. Um, it's great because you know I understand code and I can write in Java and Python and and I can read code, uh, but he's just much better at writing it. Um, meanwhile, I can like write an email in like three seconds. Right. And that email might take him like five ten minutes. Yeah. So it's just not efficient for him to yeah. be the one like writing the emails. Like, yeah. I'm just much yeah, me and Mike, yeah. Mike and I have a similar kind of duality. I'm, you know, I kind of handle marketing and stuff like that. And he's very technical and more thoughtful. And I just kind of grab the bull by the horns or like just run into things. Well, it's, it's, and that's good. I mean, cause like all of us have our strengths and all of us have our weaknesses, right? right? So like yeah. if we try to do everything, we'll probably fail. But if you can find a, a partner who complements your, yeah. your weaknesses and then together you're much stronger. Yeah. It's um, funny cause we talk about, we talked about this in one of the past episodes was like finding each other almost makes like your business easier because before we started the company, we were both doing the same thing, just all ourselves. And so we, we were basically saying that once we came together, like it just helps because like all the things that I'm just not great at, Mike can help with because that's his strengths, like finance. Mm -hmm. I'm just not good at like making sure all our finances are in order, make sure we pay the bills on time, making sure that we're putting money aside for savings. Like he's great with that. So when I met him, it was like, great. Now we have savings. 
now we have a, <laughs> now we have a bank account with like money in it and like you know he, i'm good at social media and, and uh, marketing ourselves so like that helps the business so and like even as far as giving a presentation talking to people yeah mike's doing that i'm, yeah. I'm sitting behind this board and i'm trying to say <laughs> as little as possible <laughs> well you put your strength in it. it's it's so important like in life that you have a team right yeah. I, mean, I think that's one of the things that sets humans really apart from a lot of other species i mean we work in teams like we, we created really complex social structures i mean yeah like wolves roll in packs and elephants roll in packs but humans capability for organizing and getting behind ideas and like splitting up and differentiating on tasks is one of the things that sets us apart. And uh, it's why we're sitting at this table today with like microphones and right. talking about stuff. And yeah. like, it's crazy. Um, so Adam, tell us a little bit about, tell us about Pangea. What is it? And tell us like how it started. What, what, uh, what created it? Yeah. So a couple things. Um, well, first off, we, we noticed this incredible uh, uh, underutilization of college talent. I was a videographer, right? And, and I had this skill set and I just was looking for a way to apply myself. And there was really no good way to get my name out there. I mean, this was a couple of years ago, just Upwork, TaskRabbit, they didn't really cater to someone just getting started or a college student. They were a little too freelancey. I wanted to do things that were a little more general and more hands-on, yeah. help out like local startups in particular. And there was just no easy way to do it. Like literally what you would have to do is like go around and like put up a flyer with your phone number on it and like hope people hit you up. Right. It just seemed barbaric. Yeah. It was insane. And, and I looked around at me and, and I was at Brown, but I also had some friends at like RISD and Jay Wu. Mm -hmm. um, and I just saw these kids who were so freaking talented. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, those are great schools. Like uh, just a quick side note. Yeah. I, I wanted to get into RISD. I mean, I, I think I got in. I don't know. I can't remember. But anyway, I wanted to go there. They had, I, I think, a great video program and mm -hmm. I loved like the city and the vibe of everything. But at the, I mean, at the time, it was just too expensive for me. Yeah, and that's a big it's issue. Great school. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and 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 the whole way which college is structured right now is is there's a lot of flaws in it. Like, I mean, I value higher education greatly, mm -hmm. but I think it oftentimes fails to create to help students create learn how to create value for others. That you look, you go, you learn. I said a history is great, but yeah. it didn't really teach me the skills I needed to succeed outside of school. Absolutely. And as a result, when when you look at the the employment rates of recent graduates. Uh, you find that four in 10 kids who come out of college are underemployed. It means they go, they get a degree, they, they understand marketing, they understand business, maybe they understand engineering, but they end up take, they can't get a job in anything that has anything to do with what they're good at or they're passionate about. Yeah. Uh, they, they end up taking jobs in, in various industries and they're fine jobs, but they have nothing to do with what they're capable of. Yeah. And that intellectual capital is being wasted, in my opinion. And it is, in my opinion, our society's greatest assets. When, when you look at where the world is going today, um, for the last several decades, you've seen, you know, a lot of offshoring of jobs. It's been about like routine production. Where can I do it the cheapest? Let's yeah. ship it overseas. Right. Right. Um, but now technology is caught up where the cost of manufacturing because of automation and technology is reducing cost of manufacturing so much yeah. that it's actually wiping out the gains from cheap labor. Right. So when you look towards the future, it's not about where you can get something produced the cheapest. It's about where are the ideas, where are the people who are creative, where's the talent that's going to help you create really innovative products and start really incredible companies. And in my opinion, it's, 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 in these college towns it's, it's on the college campuses it's beyond that as well because again there's a lot of people who can't access universities there's people who can't access universities like brown or risd true um our current system leaves way too many people behind 
and I saw that as a, as a kid and, yeah. and I was privileged being at Brown. Um, but even in a place like Brown, I mean, you have these like cycles of kids, like they go, they graduate and there's these like, there's like several firms that hire out of college and they have these huge recruiting operations. I mean, you got Google, you got Microsoft, you got Digitas, yeah. you got McKinsey, you got uh, BCG, you know, and like, that's like what's expected. Right. And it feels like there's this compromise for students where there's like three P's as I see them. Like you can either choose to uh, do something you're passionate about. Yep. You can choose to do something that has purpose uh, or you can choose to do something that pays. Ah, I knew it. That was, I knew that was going to be it. And, and it feels like you get to pick Yeah. one or two, Yeah. but never, you never get all three. Right. And I think that's really unfortunate. Hmm. And I see the future as being more startup oriented, more innovation oriented, yeah. more crea- uh, creation oriented. And when you see just a drastic underutilization of talent, and the kids who are slept on because they don't go to an Ivy League school or they don't do STEM, uh, I think there's a tremendous opportunity to help those people find work that's meaningful, that pays, that has real purpose. Mm-hmm. And where those opportunities are, in, in my opinion, are at these early stage companies like us. Yeah. So we, we saw this issue with students being underutilized and we decided to do something about it when mm-hmm. we graduated. And from there, we had to figure out how to build a crew to actually yeah. like, you know, produce this production that became right. Pangea. Yeah. And, and we found it really hard to find people. Hiring people is really freaking hard. It's, it's expensive. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. And it's hard to really know how to hire someone well. Um, it, it costs companies on average $4,000 to hire someone. It takes them two months. Wow. And you better hope you have an HR department to do it. Um, and every single year, companies spend $160 billion hiring, hiring people. Not, really? It's not even payroll. It's just recruiting fees. Wow. It's insane. It's a tremendous inefficiency. And companies like Pangea who are early stage can't afford that. We don't have the time and the expertise. So what Pangea does is we connect these early stage startups with on-demand college interns. We help these college students take their ideas, get in a business, get really practical experience. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing like one internship a year, they can do like several of these micro internships yeah. throughout the semester. They get real industry experience. They're helping build the awesome product. Yeah. Uh, they're supporting really cool companies and building out a resume so that way when they go to graduate and transition from academia mm-hmm. into the professional world, uh, they can actually find something that's aligned with their skill sets. They're not uh, spending their college time working at like the local grocery store. And then when they graduate, that's what's all other than the resume. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and it'll take time for us to get there because, I mean, sure. there's a lot of students who they got a lot of financial loans and they really don't have a choice. Like, they need to have that steady income. That steady income. Yeah, yeah. But the idea is that if we once we can get to the critical mass of projects, that it's my goal that, yeah, you, don't, you wouldn't have to do that. You can have a yeah. choice. Like, yeah, you can do that steady job and make, you know, $10, 50 an hour or $10, $11 an hour, depending yeah. on where you are, or maybe less if you're in a state that has lower minimum wage yeah. than Rhode Island, um, and actually help them make just as much money by doing projects that are uh, infinitely more impactful yeah. and are more aligned with what they're really, really interested in doing. Yeah, I get it. Um, so tell me a little bit about in high school, you uh, built a program. Yes. Um, so I, I, as I was saying earlier, like I got really into video uh, when I was in middle school initially. So I got my first video camera uh, uh, in sixth grade. Yeah. And I was teaching myself for you know the first two, three years. And I got to high school. And high school is this time where I think people really start to explore their passions more. Yeah. And they, and they can start to join a club and they can have a little bit more selection in their electives. And, yeah. and they're a little bit older and they're a little bit more self-aware. And for me, I already knew I loved filmmaking. But when I got to uh, ninth grade... I went to a small high school. It was 400 kids. It's small in my mind. Um, There was no film club and there was no class for film. And I had to get an art credit. 
So the, the I like went to the principal. I was like, "What the hell? Like, I like, can I like do a independent elective yeah. for film?" He's like, "No, you gotta do like pottery or photography or art." And I was like, uh, "Nah." I was like, I, "I like video. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, you're not gonna like take me off my path. Like, I my, that's where my heart is. That's where my yeah. dream is. I'm not gonna. I'm freaking." Like I was like what fourteen or fifteen at the time. Yeah. I was like I'm not gonna like all of a sudden just like pivot out of something that I'm actually really passionate about. Right. Do pottery. So, yeah. yeah. Start making some bowls or like something like that. Ah, listen, pottery's cool. I mean, I did it like a summer camp, but like yeah. it's not my thing. Right. I know people who love it and are really good at it. It's a tremendous craft. But like I was a videographer, and that's yeah. what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I created the filmmaking club, and I brought my friends into it, and we kind of created this like student-run production group where we'd start producing films for all the other clubs, for the school, uh, for ourselves. And we were like put on the screen every single week at morning yeah. meeting. Was this before or after the YouTube fame? This was like around the time of. Same time. <laughs> this around the time all of, right. yeah, yeah. I was like really like the, I, I became like the film, the video guy. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like the one in the back of the classrooms, like the camera, like that was me. I'm a nerdy <laughs> kid. Um, but I loved it. And ultimately, um, I, I, I wanted to find a way to, to institutionalize that to a larger extent and i was like well i'm gonna be graduating and i want to actually learn like i it's fun making stuff but like there needs to be some more structure to this i want this to be able to give credit this deserves just as much credibility as does photography how does photography get a credit and videography doesn't and like videography is the future and it's a, it's a storytelling medium and we're watching the news all day like how is this not a course and i went in and i like got a meeting with the principal and i made this argument and he didn't want to hear it. Um, so I went out in the hallway and I got a clipboard with a piece of paper and I started taking signatures. And I got like 150, 200 signatures. Oh, in the petition. look at you. Uh, went up to the board. Uh, the board liked it, you know, but like I just principles is my way. And I just, and how old were you? Just, just I was like 16 at oh, this time. Okay. So I was like yeah. a sophomore. Yeah. What made you think you were just that passionate? You were like, all right, I'm going to start a petition now. Like, I don't know. It's just like the thing to do. It's yeah. just like, uh, I want to make it happen. So I'm going to, like, I'm just one voice. But what if I go out there and tell you there's 100 people who yeah. want to hit this class? You know, would that be more convincing? That's a quarter of the school. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there was another, I'll tell you another story in a second about petitions. Um, and I got all these petitions. I've been doing all these videos. And I was just extremely persistent with it. Yeah. I just, and, I, and it took me like two and a half, all through sophomore year, all through junior year. I was just like, I, this guy could not get rid of me. I was literally in his office with a pitch deck about why film is important part of the curriculum and, yeah. and what students can learn from it. Right. And um, eventually I convinced him to hire a, a professor from RISD actually wow. who happened to be in New York for one class, one semester. Uh, her name is Casey Allen. She came in. Um, she taught one class. It was me and this kid, Charlie Coastlaw. It's just two of us. And the class, and she did a great job organizing curriculum. We made great, great stuff for the school um, and people really liked it. So they gave her, is my senior year. Uh, they had brought her back for the second semester and um, she did another course for the second semester, also successful. And then I graduated. Uh, I received the first ever videography prize. They made a whole, every single year they have a prize day. So they have like book awards and you have photography awards. They never had an award for videography. So they made one. Um, <laughs> and I was the first ever recipient. They still give it out to this day. Um, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It should be named after you. Well, I, need, I think they want some money from me first. And then they <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I don't have any of that for them right now. Uh, and they ended up hiring her full time. Wow. And she's still there today. Now she has a whole film studio and she just four classes and she has like 25 students. Are you guys still connected? Yeah, actually she was up at RISD uh, uh, in, in the fall semester for the RISD alumni day. Okay. And we caught up on the, on the green That's so cool. for a little while. So She must we, be like pretty grateful for you. 
have been cool. Uh, we have a great relationship. She's yeah, awesome, and and awesome. I'm super I'm super stoked that uh, she's very happy at the school. I'm, yeah, I'm very excited that like she's there and there's film at the school. And now. It all worked out. And she'd be getting ten percent of her contract. That's what I said. <laughs> what I said. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't run through Pangea back in the day. <laughs> but I I think that whole experience was was very instrumental uh, for me as an individual. Yeah. I, I went into high school and I said, I'm not satisfied with the way that things are. Yeah. And I just, for some reason, was determined to change it. Right. And that's always been, like, my philosophy as a filmmaker. It's like, if you can, th- like, film is a beautiful medium because whatever you can imagine, you can create. Like, Avatar, James Cameron, like, had this vision for this whole world yeah. you wanted to create. And yep. film allows you to do that. So I think, like, that naivety and that, like, almost, like, pretentiousness as a filmmaker, like, pervaded yeah. me, like, as an individual to a certain extent. And it led me to be persistent with that. Yeah. And then it led me to, like, when I got to Brown, when I didn't have a solution for finding more projects, I was like, well, I'm not going to go back to the administration because that yeah. was a pain in my butt. <laughs> um, and I'm just going to take it into my own It's also on a larger it. scale rather than Yeah, yeah. yeah. And instead of it being a school of 400, it's 6,000. Yeah. And it's, you know, instead of it being like a high school, they call it a university. But in yeah. reality, it's a multiversity and it's really yeah. difficult to break through it. So Yeah, that's yeah. funny. Um, so... You made it into the app store for one. Congratulations. That's Thanks, pretty John. crazy. Yeah, I got that to my co-founder. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I always hear like the craziest, like just stories about like how challenging it is. Um, talk a little bit about like the challenges of getting into the app store and like what that process was like. It's been a long journey Yeah. for us. Um, you know, from the earliest days, it was a fun thing to talk about. Yeah. You know, it was something that... Um, John, our other co-founder, Isaac, who yeah. a big, had a big piece of the initial idea. It was a lot of us just sitting around, you know, talking about it for, for hours. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, if we ever, yeah, it was ever. just like, we were talking about the issues in the world and, you know, we were, we were young and we we're like so jaded and, you yeah. know, like, ah, the world sucks and how can we make it better? And, <laughs> and these ideas really morphed and morphed and morphed. And eventually I was thinking like a filmmaker and I was like, well, we can kind of see this vision for like what this production might look like. Yeah. So I started writing it down. So I, I took out, like I started writing a script and uh, started putting in like all the shots that we would need in the order in which you shoot them to actually make it real. Yeah. Uh, and it was at that time that we brought in John, who was one of my really good friends and applied math. And he wanted to learn how to build an app. He never built an app before. Wow. Um, none of us knew how to code. And I remember sitting in my dorm room, thinking to myself and this is very naive i was yeah. like yeah zuckerberg could build facebook in his you know dorm room why can't we build an app you know like it should be easier now we have youtube and all yeah, that stuff true um and that kind of naivete was like well let's screw it we have nothing to lose yeah true everything to gain we're gonna learn a ton so let's give it a shot so that for me that that like when we started working on it uh uh would have been 2015 okay so about four years ago actually like to the day Wow. I have like the first, I think like the first meeting note was probably like in March of 20. Yeah. I probably and had, when, I had when did you guys officially get into the app store? Uh, not until 2017. Oh, wow. So still, like that that's... moment of like, here's a fun, because for a while it was like a, still a fun thing to talk about. We were being, we were scoping out. We never knew how to run a business or anything. Yeah, we were yeah. all so young. So we were just kind of like exploring it for a long time. We only really started development um, probably late 2015 to 2016. Okay. John, my co-founder, actually took us a semester off of school yeah. to learn how to code in iPhone apps wow. um, and and took a long time to do that. So it took probably a year and a half, if not almost two years to to get on the app store. I mean, I remember John, when he agreed to you know help us build it, yeah. um, it took him about a month to figure out how to like get Xcode, which is like uh, iPhone, like the iPhone uh, 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 development environment set up. Sure. And it took him a month to get like a button. 
Wow. And the button didn't even do anything. It was like he had a blank screen just and test. a rectangle and you can click it and it would like fade and come back in. He's like, that's a button. And I was like, what does it do? He's like, nothing yet. <laughs> but we're getting there. But we're getting there. And yeah. then, you know, a month later, he had a whole screen laid out and the button started to interact. And wow. I just saw the most tremendous progression in John of just like starting from nothing yeah. to building a two-sided marketplace, like literally on his back. Um, it's an incredibly complicated piece of tech. It was the first time doing it. Yeah. And uh, ultimately, the the big paradigm shift for us was our senior year. Okay. And, you know, we were exploring it a lot, but we hadn't really thought about what would happen after graduation. And I was I was sitting in like a quote unquote job interview in, yep. in New York uh, for a company called Harry's Shavers. And I was talking with the, the chief operation officer. Uh, his name is Will. And, and I remember sitting there, it was like January, it was like, tw- this would have been 2017 at this point. Um, and we hadn't launched an app on the app store yet. We had yeah. no product. We yeah. had no customer, we had nothing, you know, it was like still like a pipe dream. Yeah. Uh, we were like working towards it, but yeah. it was like, you're in a marathon. You have no idea where the finish line is. It, it still feels <laughs> like that. But like, That's you really funny. have, like, I, I wasn't sure if we were ever going to get in the app store. Yeah. And the entire like interview, it wasn't really an interview because the entire time I just talked about Pangea and like how stoked I was for it yeah. and how cool it could be. And he kind of was like, at one point, was like, dude, like, you sound pretty passionate about this project. Like, yeah. it's not a terrible idea. Like, maybe you should just give that a shot. I was like, yeah. huh, maybe I should. Um, so we applied into this uh, accelerator through B Lab. Uh, so Brown does this venture accelerator every summer called Breakthrough Lab. Uh, we applied for it and we got in. And that allowed me to go to my parents and be like, look, like, Brown believes in us a little bit yeah. and uh, they're going to give us space for eight weeks and they're going to give us a stipend so I can pay for rent for the summer. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they give each, each B-Lab person That's pretty sweet. 4K uh, for like living expenses for the summer. Damn. Which is, it gets you like two, three months in Providence, which yeah. is great. Yeah. It gets you what? Like, you know, three days in New York. Um, <laughs> and we got into this accelerator and that was the first time that like really John and I together working full time on it. And that's where like, that's where I really viewed Pangea starting yeah because uh, yeah. we worked throughout the entire summer we that were, must have been exciting we were in there every day yeah, for 12 yeah. hours a day working like 80 hours a week That's and insane. all through summer and 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 eventually the accelerate it ended in like yeah. july after eight weeks a lot of kids approached it as like a summer thing to do but like for us it was our life like it was a stepping yeah. stone to everything it's just a start and all of a sudden we had no space we had no money um so i was like yo we need a place to work out of like you need to find us at like yeah. Don't just leave. We got to find something. We got to find something. Don't, don't make us work at a Starbucks. And again, I was like very persistent, very persistent. And eventually they found like a little tiny closet for us, like in the engineering building. And, and it's been great. They let us in for one month while there were no students there. Okay. Um, and uh, they liked us. And then we came to an agreement. So we've been working on it. And then we launched our first real alpha in September, 2017. Wow. Uh, it was called Pangea Mart. It was a closed student marketplace where students can like sell their textbooks. They could clean things for each other. It was more of like a gig economy. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it was like a college focused task rabbit. Okay. It's kind of where we started. Yeah. Because like that was where our minds were. We weren't yeah. thinking about the world outside of campus. I was like, I'm a videographer. How can I make videos for other students? Yeah. Um, so we ran that for a whole year. We got 500 kids to sign up. Majority of which we got like in the first week and my friends and yeah, you know yeah. it just didn't quite catch. Um, you need critical mass in a marketplace. You need buyers, you need sellers. And we found people who wanted to offer things, but not really people who wanted to buy things. Mm. Um, so we ran that for an entire year. We learned how to market. We learned how to build. We learned how to develop, how to get user feedback, yeah. you know, um, and get all that stuff together. We raised our first little bit of funding uh, from family friends. We got like 30K initially Great. to like help us like yeah. put up flyers and do some social media ads. And like, sure. um, we learned a lot in that first year. 
And then going into this past summer, we really had a better understanding of where we wanted to pivot. So we went through our first pivot and that was opening up the buying side. So we realized that students had a lot of things they could offer, mm-hmm. um, but they weren't the ones who were interested in buying anything. Yeah. So you need the other half. Yeah. So we decided to open up the buy side, which was a very momentous decision for us. And that really changed things for us. We also, we brought on seven interns. We hired five kids from Brown. We raised more money. Um, we, we brought on five kids from Brown. Uh, a kid from RISD and, and a kid from John, uh, Johnson and Wales. Okay. All W two workers paid hourly for yeah. the entire summer. We, wow. did, we did it super right. My first summer on payroll. They're yeah. our first employees. Um, That's so and, cool. and we gave these kids a tremendous experience. And it was in that moment where we decided, like, wow, startups need this because yeah. like, we need this. And we couldn't even use the app. Right. But we used the user base we had generated to That's find these kids. Crazy. So we used Pangea Mart to find these seven kids. And they were like, I wonder if there's other people out there who might need to find yeah. kids to like, help them build shit. Because, right. like, you know, you don't, don't time, no money. Um, so that's where the interns kind of came into being. Right. So going into this past uh, uh, in, like semester, fall semester, we launched a second time. Uh, totally, new, we, we rebranded. Now we're Pangea.app. We had an Android app and an iPhone app. We had a brand new tech stack. Again, it was kind of hacked together because we we tore everything apart this summer. We totally rebuilt yeah. a totally new tech, tech stack. Um, but we went from 500 users to 1,500. Um, and so we in half as, in like so we went we 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 tripled. tripled our user base in half the time. Wow! And we went from five hundred dollars being transacted to five thousand. Okay, uh, which Great. again isn't like that nuts, but it's a good trend. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we got a ton of user feedback, and people really started to engage with it. Yeah, and, which is important. And then we hit a wall, and then we hit a really fat wall because it like Jan- November came yeah. and it like still wasn't quite catching. Huh. And and the system we had designed worked well for like a hundred kids, yeah. but it was totally broken when you had fifteen hundred people on there. There was no search, there was no filter. The whole way uh, we approached matching, the people just were interacting with it in a whole different way than we had anticipated. Gotcha. And um, it was kind of a hard time because yeah. like we had we had gotten some traction, but we weren't seeing as much as we needed to raise the money we needed to keep going. We were right. like running out of cash. We the growth, and and we were getting a little bit lost. And I, and I, and I was getting pushed by advisors yeah. and it was in this moment. I, I was, I was, I was actually, I was playing my first competitive match of squash and we were kind of lost. I didn't really know where to take it. And we're playing this game and I'm super in it. I, I, I'm not good. I, I played in middle school a little bit. And I want <laughs> I got, I want to get back into it to get some exercise yeah. and I'm playing this match and I'm like super into this like little squash ball. I mean, people don't know squash. You play like in a, in a, in a box and you have this little uh, black ball. It's kind of like the snitch in, in Harry Potter. You have this little <laughs> racket. It's a really fast, you're sprinting back and forth. It's actually a really fast uh, uh, sport. You can play for your whole life. So it's a good yeah. investment. And I'm super in it. I wasn't expecting to be anywhere like, like competitive, but I was, yeah, somewhat, yeah, I was like a couple points off. Yeah, and yeah. this guy hits the ball and it goes towards like the back corner and I'm like in the front and I'm running to get this ball. Like full sprint, yeah. you know, I on the ball, like literally Harry Potter, like looking for the snitch. Yeah. And I forgot I was inside a building. So I'm running like as fast as I can to get this ball. And I go to wind up for it. And before I can even swing, I just run face first oh into the fucking wall. I black out. Oh my God. I black out. I, I like everything goes black for about two Holy seconds. Holy shit. Yeah. Hit the ground hard. Meanwhile, it's me. It's all these 60 year old guys watching. Uh, <laughs> and then they thought I would die. It would probably would have killed one of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and here I am on the ground and, 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 I, and I sort of come to things are really dizzy and they're yeah. like they're like dude are you, are are you okay? okay and I was like I, I work in startups this happens all the time 
you know, like I'm gonna be fine. Like, you hit walls, you fall down, you get up. Yeah, it was yeah. some stupid cliche metaphor thing. Yeah. Uh, and I got up, I finished the match. I finished the yeah. match. And I'm back in the locker room after the match. And I'm like, hey, so you're working a startup. Slightly concussed. Slightly concussed. <laughs> and yeah, like couldn't sure. really think straight. Yeah. And they're like, hey, so mentioned you're in a company. And uh, what's it do? And I said, uh, we're the resume of the 21st century. We're That's a cool way to put it. We're yeah. developing a workforce through these really cool internships and yeah. helping startups hire better. And really all of the whole locker room went quiet. Yeah. I and it was, it was the first time in my life where like these like older people who've been doing business for like 40 years yeah. understood it yeah. immediately and were immediately engaged. Yeah. And from there, I was like, there's something here. Um, and from there, we kind of literally went back to the drawing board and, and assessed the hiring market and the recruiting market and how that's all done. And yeah. we found some really big problems in that. So we went back to the drawing board over the holidays into January. We rebuilt everything again wow. from scratch. Oh my we God. redesigned everything again. The whole system was redesigned uh, based on user feedback and based on this new direction. We totally rebuilt our financial model, our, our business model, our pitch deck. Everything has been changed. Um, and the market seems to be reacting to it pretty pretty well. We're, we've been rolling out a beta for the last couple of weeks. Okay. We're having all these organic signups and we got our first client actually yesterday. Recurring for the business side. Like yeah, the, for the business the side. The buyer side. Yeah, so the buyer side. So like, people need to find interns and they don't know where to go to find them. So now this is our third time launching it. And this is now 2019. So here we are four years later. It's kind of cool to see the progression of you yeah. taking what you learned. And, you know, like you said, pivoting. You know, yeah. even if you got to launch three times, if you got to launch yeah. 10 times, eventually you're going to hit it. You know, yeah. you got it. You got to stay persistent and you need to listen. That's the thing. Like we, we launched and we thought we knew everything. Oh, yeah. And that was the first mistake. Like we thought that we had the greatest idea ever. And if people so were using it, else. it was just because the right people weren't finding it and, yeah. and they just didn't understand it. But in reality, the user's right. And what we did, I think what we did well was listen to people and invite people in and really think critically and openly and really like constantly go back to root and kind of shift where we want to go while our values have remained super tight. Yeah. And uh, that's what we're doing. I mean, we've, who we are today is very, I mean, I, I, I sent an email to Joe Cabia, who's a co-founder of Airbnb about five minutes for walking in here. Yeah, he was um, just telling me as we were walking And I'm in. trying to get his attention again because I, I had his attention uh, in the fall and I was too early. I sent him the wrong deck. It was a different company. It was uh, a different opportunity. I mean, it was who we were then, yeah, but it's different right, than who we are today. Yeah. And who we are today is just infinitely more exciting than who we were in November. Yeah. And so. I feel like that's based off your experiences because like you said, your first when you first launched, it was... You know, you had the mind state of someone living on campus, someone in college. Yeah. Now you've had these experiences outside of that, and you realize yeah. the world's a lot, a lot bigger than yeah. just a college campus. Yeah, and and and, and the problems we started to face evolved, right? So like right. we understand the problems from the students' perspective really well. Mm -hmm. What we didn't understand is the problem in the hiring. Yeah. Like the other equation, right? Because so, you hadn't had a real company yet, essentially. No, and, and after we got these 1,500 kids, we talked with all of them, as many as I could find and sit down and get them to get coffee and yeah. stay attention for five minutes. Um, <laughs> I was like, what do you, like, they didn't care about just freelancing or offering textbooks. Right. Like, they were like, I want to get a job when I graduate, you know? How can you help me with that? Yeah. And I was like, well, actually, these, these are opportunities are really good resume boosters. So I started just, it was like a, mess, a framing thing initially. And then immediately the interest is, change i mean yeah. just, the, the story you tell is incredibly important uh but then obviously the, the product needs to reflect that reality so yeah. it's i know I, I sat down with this tremendously brilliant um girl from RISD today and i put it in front of her and you know she started to tear it apart which is great yeah. because we're at this point where people understand it and they believe in the mission mm -hmm. enough where they want to help 
Yeah, and they yeah, can yeah. and they can see they how care. it can be better. Right. Initially, they didn't see it, so they had no real advice for us. And that was tough when you launch a product and no one can give you any feedback. Right. That's when you have problems. Right. When you have so much feedback, you don't know what to do, which is where we are right now. That's great. It's a great place to be. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like us when we're making a video, and yeah. it's like, all right, me and Mike have watched the video a thousand times, but we need another set of eyes yeah. to let us know how it actually actually looks because we've seen it a thousand times yeah, yeah. and that's what i mean our, our team is a super tight four people right now mm-hmm. and but our, our faces are so close to it so we did our first user feedback session this past wednesday and I, yeah. we brought in two of our users uh to the meeting and it was the first time our engineers and our designer actually like, got to hear from the users because i hear it all right day. yeah and i like i like shelter my team from it a little bit because i know they're working on so much stuff so i don't want to like yeah, keep yeah. bombarding them but for them to hear from the user yeah um, directly and for them to like give a different perspective on it they're like huh i hadn't thought about it yeah right and and user focused development is incredibly important and perspective is incredibly important like i'm a filmmaker right so yeah. the most interesting films aren't the ones that have one shot i remember one time in mcm they made us watch this one movie and it, the whole film was just like 45 minutes one shot yeah it just slowly pushes and nothing happens, the whole thing. It What's, sucked. Do you know it? Uh, no. Uh, I, I fell asleep in all my history. I, I probably fell asleep. I, I fell asleep. I totally forgot the title. Yeah. Um, but the, the lesson I learned from that was like the most interesting films and the best films are ones that blend perspectives. So I'm always out here seeking perspective um, from people regardless of what school they go to, what walk of life they go to, what yeah. industry they work in, and, and what kind of problems they face. And it's great putting the app in the hands of someone who's like 75 who doesn't use apps and <laughs> right, right. getting their feedback on it too. Yeah. Just to like, because like how they see it is so freaking different. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing you ran into that wall, I guess, huh? That that wall was a really important moment. That's for good, me. yeah. That's funny. Uh, all right, so I get a good one here. So you know, we're all business owners here. What do you find as some of like the biggest challenges of owning a business? Obviously, you've talked about some of them, but what do you find as like the biggest challenges? Ooh, um, so one of the things that really changed that I really saw, like coming from academia to to starting a business, was you know when you're in school, you have the benefit of you sign up for a class, the professor sets the curriculum and the syllabus, and then they tell you all your assignments. Sure. And then, like those assignments have deadlines, mm-hmm. and if you don't hit your deadlines, you get a bad grade, and all, everything you do gets feedback if you have you know if you have a good professor. Um, but once you graduate, and if you don't go into like a corporate world where there's still like a syllabus and assignments, it's on you to basically create your own syllabus. You know what's your mission of your company? Yeah. What are the assignments you need to do to like fulfill that syllabus? What are the deadlines? What are the, what's the grading? What kind of rubric? What kind of standards? You hold? Like, that all becomes self-imposed. Yeah. And it requires a tremendous amount of self-leadership and self-discipline. And learning that, learning how to organize my thoughts to keep track of things yeah. has been... So what I do is I, I have this this app. It's called Trello. It's just oh, like, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know it. So yeah. it could be anything. But basically, it's like a to-do like, list thing kind yeah. of thing. And uh, I, have this, I have this one board that I live off of. And I call it my prefrontal cortex. That's the okay. name of the title. Right. So whenever someone tells me something to do, I just write it down. It goes right into my prefrontal cortex, which is like on my phone. Yeah. And then like every Sunday I go through and I look at everything that I like didn't get to that week. And then I throw it out over the entire week of like, when am I going to do what? Wow. And then I created this like internal tracking system to make sure that I like make all the connections. I say that I'm going to send the emails. I'm going to follow up with the contracts. I'm going to hit up yeah. this. My, it's like 40 items deep right now. So like part wow. of it's also coming to this realization, like I can't get to everything. Yeah. So it's like yeah. You're only one the person. other thing is, so that's like one big thing. The other big thing is, you know, in line with that, you have all these like little fires that are burning mm-hmm. all the time. There's a million things to consume you with. Yeah. Um, and, and like, that's not like you're a firefighter. 
you know, so you gotta like it's a your job to put out fires and like yeah. make sure like the company doesn't burn down. Right. You gotta keep it alive. Yeah. Right? But some fires are bigger than others, some fires are small, some fires are growing, some fires are shrinking. Yeah. You know, and you only have like a half a thing of pulling spring. It's like <laughs> all, you have a whole room is burning. Yeah. So you have to be really selective in terms of what you put your energy into. And, yeah. and it's something that I'm still working on. I have not mastered yet, but that focus, understanding how to prioritize is incredibly yeah, important. Because like Every, like I have a to-do list and then I go have a meeting and then like out of that meeting, I get five more things to do. So it's like constantly you get like, you get one thing done and then five more things pop up. Right. So you, and then it's prioritizing like which one of those new five things is more important than any of my previous yeah. five things. Yeah. And then you got to stay motivated, right? Yeah. Because like, it's just constant. You don't, you don't ever get to like do an assignment and then you're like, Oh, I got an, a 95. I got an A. Yeah. This semester's never over. You never no. get like that grade back in the test. You never like, never you over. like, you don't have that. It's like, those rewards, like you would get them in smaller ways, yeah. but it's just this constant thing. So it can be very draining. Um, so, you know, you need to be able, you need to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. And that why is going to be what gets you through those hard days because yeah. there's good days there's shitty days. And no matter how you feel, I've just learned, you just gotta, you gotta get up, you gotta get dressed and you gotta show up Yeah. and you gotta just execute, Yeah. you know, cause the world's not going to wait for you. That's true. How do That's you good. find um, like balancing the employees? How do you do anything to like kind of keep them happy, keep them going? Because you have what three people you said? Yeah, like in the in the core group. Yeah, and then we, and we just doubled our team. We actually brought on four other Pangeans through our app to really? help us this semester with like sales. So and, how would you balance? You know, maybe what seven personalities you're dealing with? Yeah, that's a lot of people to kind of keep yeah. happy all at once. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the first thing is I like to know what everyone likes to do. Okay. So I try to bring on people who I think can bring value in different areas. So I explore like what they want to do. Like I want people to find purpose in their work. I want them to be doing what they're passionate about. Yeah. Um, not just particularly because like there's not really any paycheck in it for them right now. So <laughs> yeah. it's like I really can't incentivize them to do shit that they don't want to do right. with with money. Right. I have to incentivize them to do stuff because they care. Yeah. Um, and because they enjoy it. Yeah. So I I try to find things that people actually enjoy doing. I give people a lot of freedom in terms of what they choose to do. Um, but we have these unifying principles. Like we all understand our mission. We understand our why. We understand what we're working towards. So what I tend to put a lot of energy into is like every, we have a meeting every Wednesday and I always give an update on the team and probably every other week or every third week, I like really hammer out why we're doing what we're doing, what the mission is, how we're working towards it. And I make sure everyone knows how everyone's contributing to the team. Sure. And I don't like lead with a hammer. I just like, I try to get up. I try to get up earlier than everyone else. I try to get in the office before anyone else. Yeah. I try to leave later. And it's different. It's hard to compare. Yeah. But I was like, I, it's the only thing that gets me out of bed in the morning is my res- my respect for the colleagues because I love what I do. Yeah. So it's important that everyone understands why we're doing what we're doing. And also like those first four people, like they're all our founders, you know, yeah. like they, this is their baby too. Um, and, and that's represented, you know, tangibly in equity and it's, and it's represented in, in how all their ideas are valued at the table. Yeah. And uh, it's, 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 it's not, for me, it's natural. So I did, I did a, a, a national outdoor leadership school uh, expedition to Alaska when I was a sophomore uh, in college. And I spent 40 days in the Arctic Circle with nine strangers. Um, and uh, we had two instructors and it was eight students. And we had no contact with the outside world. Wow. And there's a portion of the trip where they actually like let the students go off on their own for a series of days. And like they expect you to stay, like survive. Um, and they, the, the team designates a leader, uh, uh, for that stint. Someone's in charge calling us shots, like make sure everyone's taken care of. And, and I was one of the youngest people on the trip, but I was designated the leader, um, for that trip. 
So, I mean, I, I, and I, and I felt natural and I wasn't nervous about it. It just like worked and we did a good job at it. And you guys survived. We survived. Uh, <laughs> and we, even though we encountered seven grizzly bears. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. That was pretty badass. That's scary. <laughs> Fetal position, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, our, 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 so our, our mascot, our brown is a grizzly bear. Uh, so I felt at home. What, uh, what do you do? <laughs> uh, with grizzly bears? No, like when, yeah, yeah, yeah. When a grizzly bear, yeah. Uh, you get together in a group. So you make yourself really big. They have really bad eyesight. So you want to make yourself bigger than the grizzly bear. Uh, the the key is making a lot of noise. Really? So you do these bear calls because you're walking through these willows. So we're so far north initially that there's no trees. We're in an arc circle. The sun never sets. Like, yeah. There's not enough solar radiation for trees to grow. Right. The highest things that grow are these willows, okay. which are like just tall enough to like cover my head <laughs> and like just big enough for a bear to hide behind. Yeah. So you make you make a lot of noise. Yeah. Uh, as you go through, so I would I had a, my my bear call was hey Bruno. Because Bruno is the is the name of the bear at Brown. Okay. <laughs> the funny thing was it actually took everyone on my trip about 14 days to ask me, like, say, why do you keep saying Bruno? I'm surprised. Yeah, that was like person. a friend of mine. I was like, oh, it's my school mascot. They're like, oh. I was like, you guys took you this long? Too? Yeah, yeah. So right. it feels like a long time. We got 40 days out there. Um, and then you have bear spray. So you have this, like, industrial-grade pepper spray yeah. um, where if you get really close to the bear, you spray it and it runs away yeah. our, our scariest interaction was it was probably day 25 so the first 10 days we're backpacking and the next 30 days we're canoeing oh wow uh, we did 500 miles we did an entire watershed wow. and ended up in the arctic ocean uh so we're on day 25 we're on the river and uh, we had four boats these canoes these things are super rickety there's alley packs Scary. they come in these like things that are you know i don't know like two feet like there's like it's like it's like a it's like a sleeping bag yeah and then out of sleeping bag comes all, all this aluminum pole and all this like rubberized rigging yeah um and you snap out together and you have a canoe so that's where you're going down like these rapids in it's like really that's nothing funny. too sturdy yeah so we day 25 on the river we come around this bend and the first boat comes around the bend and there's a confluence so there's a there's a, a tributary coming into the main river yeah and uh Tributaries are a great place for fish or sediment coming. So like big fish eat smaller fish. Yeah. Uh, it's also where bears like to fish. So we come around the bend and uh -huh. there's, a, there's an 800 pound grizzly bear standing at the confluence fishing, minding its own business. And uh, the boat, the first boat, um, which was Sydney and Cole, were like watching this bear and like yeah. scared. I mean, they're, they're what, like 20 feet away from this, like less than 10 feet away. This thing's massive. Yeah. And they like freeze and they like stop paddling, to, like stop making noise. And they come into the, the they come into the flow where the confluence of the river comes into the you know main main part of the river yeah and it's like cross rapids yeah and it rocks the boat and then they tipped over a little bit and it started taking all water and then once the water started coming yeah. in, it kept coming it kept coming oh. in. and when the span of like probably two and a half seconds they capsized oh totally God. underwater in in water that's glacial meltwater so it's what thirty six degrees. Oh my Fahrenheit because it's like all starts at a glacier like oh up. yeah so it's, it's literally it's a glacier that melts. And that's the river. Um, I'm terrified. So we so we had no choice but to but to uh, arrest them from the river onto the gravel bank, like yeah. five feet from where the bear was, which had now scampered away somewhere, probably close by. Oh, okay. And uh, they went hypothermic. Um, so we had to oh uh, get a get a tent set up, and uh, my job was heating up like ten bottles of water, warm them up, and it took about three hours to get them back wow. to the normal temperature, and we had to make camp there for the night. Wow. That's crazy. So I, did you have any like survival training before you went on this, or was it pretty much like <laughs> no? This is, my first, this is my first camping trip. No shit. It's yeah. Like, good luck. I just sent it. Yeah, yeah. I, after my freshman year at Brown, I was like, I want to get the hell out of here. I want to, you know, just like really find myself yeah. and and uh, and uh, challenge myself. So I, I picked uh, the trip that was as it's far a hell away, of a challenge. literally as far away as I could, and, and uh, as long as I could, yeah. and uh, with nine people I never met. 
so it was my crazy. first real backpacking trip and it was a second night I, I had just been like someplace warm like in florida or something and yeah i was having this dream of like being on a beach with like a pretty girl yeah, whatever wish. you know yeah. like and uh, and i wake up at like four in the morning and i walk out of the tent to you know uh, take a leak and uh it's like as bright as day because the sun never sets oh, and wow. it was in that moment That's that right. i really felt like i was in an alien world where i was like thousands of miles away from That's insane and you're screwed i mean there's no you're you're if something goes wrong it could be days before you get rescued did you think that helped with the app at all? Like, could you yeah, connect like that back anyways? Like- so so it, 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 some, some of the key things I learned on that trip was, you know, when you're out there, like there's things you need to do to survive. Right. Right. Like you're focused on not getting eaten by a bear. Sure. Not going hypothermic. <laughs> sure. Like making sure you eat and take care of yourself yeah. and like no one gets lost. Right. And like you don't get hurt and break an ankle and like bleed out. You were right. just looking out for the team too. Yeah. Right? You, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. You learn a lot from like expeditionary behavior and leadership. And there's a lot that is directly applicable to Pangea. But for me, it was understanding like there's things that I need to do to survive. Right. And I personally have the benefit of when I come back to the front country, like I don't have to worry about a bear coming in and mauling me. I, 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 I'm fortunate that, you know, finding food isn't something I have to worry about on a day to day to day to day basis, True. you know? And like those biological needs are not things that I have to constantly put energy into. Yeah. And everything outside of that is inherently not something I need, but something I desire, something I want. Right. And that's where as humans, we have incredible capacity for control or lack of control. Sure. Um, but I was able to recognize that, you know, everything outside of like, you know, eating and like surviving is something that I want to do. And that's what I have control over. So what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? And it's only once you determine what you want to do and where you want to go that what you need to do to get there is revealed. Hmm. So I wanted to make it easier for students to find cool opportunities. So now I needed to go help find, build a team, build a product, <laughs> find a sustainable business model, just yeah. all these things you need to do to achieve this larger vision. Right. Um, but that's really our power. Is like As people, we have the ability to figure out what the hell we want. Yeah. And I think all too often people don't know what they want. Right. And they end up just yeah. kind of going along with the flow. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, I chose to, to navigate and, yeah. and pick a destination uh, far off in the future. You definitely don't go with the flow. <laughs> No, nah, so there's, there's times, I mean, so there's, yeah. there's four people in the ocean of life, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, you have the person who's uh, constantly drowning, uh, who's just always underwater, who just can't quite stay afloat and like you can toss them a raft and like they just don't, there's, they're complainers, right? Sure. Like, nothing, nothing, nothing can do it, right? Sure. Um, there's people who are on a raft, you know, there's like on an inner tube and like they're going with the flow of like yeah. the wind and the waves and the tides and like, they're just chilling. They're like, they're like the dude from the big Lebowski. All right. <laughs> the, the, the dude, the dude is a floater. Yeah. Um, then you have surfers, uh, which is super cool. So like they like actually see a wave and they jump on the wave yeah. and they see where it takes them. And I'd say I probably started my destination with Pangea somewhat like as a surfer. I was like, okay. this feels really cool. This feels right. I'm just going to hop on this and see where it goes. Right. Yeah. Uh, you just never know what's going to end up. Sure. And then the fourth person is someone who actually navigates. So they, they pick a destination off in the distance, some island they want to get to, and then they, you know, adjust their sails and their tiller and they That's find a, a way to get there regardless of what way the waves and the, and the wind is blowing. Yeah. Um, so I try to trend towards being a navigator, uh, but there's certainly moments in my life where I'm underwater and I feel yeah. like I'm drowning. Yeah. Uh, there are certainly moments in my life where I like to just like chill and Coast. go with the flow yeah, like right, i'm yeah. going out to jackson with some buddies you know in a couple of weeks to ski like i'm gonna float like, i'm just yeah, gonna we're sure. gonna see where the ski- trails take us like you need to have that time just relaxing yeah. and there's times where like oh like this seems like a great opportunity um i'm just gonna hop on it and see where it goes so gotcha. there's we all play all roles in life but that's generally i try to trend towards being a navigator i like that that's cool all right we're gonna shift perspectives here a little bit or shift uh 
I'm going to jump on a different wave here. Sounds good. I like uh, <laughs> nice job. So tell us a little bit about uh, what was formerly called Silicon Road is now called the Lively Experiment. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So as someone coming out of school, starting a company for the first time, uh, it's an incredibly lonely, scary experience. It's starting something is just inherently bold. Yeah. Uh, for like I have a better term. Um there aren't always a ton of people who can relate to it. It's the struggles you face are difficult. You 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 don't have a nine to five. You don't have paid time off. You don't have vacation time. You don't sure. have a boss. You don't like this. The struggles you face are very different. Yeah. Um, and and I was lucky because like in the eighteen months I was doing it and still doing it, like I interact with a lot of great people and they became my friends and my advisors. And I I wanted to create a more cohesive community of those individuals. Yeah. Because like I benefited from doing it very organically and by like word of mouth. But there's a lot of other people who are trying to get started and like, where do they go? Right. You know, Rhode Island's awesome because like we do have a lot of different initiatives going on with Brown. We have Nelson Center getting started. We have uh, Nelson Center just is, is Brown's entrepreneurship uh, yeah. uh, department. They're building a building on Thayer Street. They're doing tremendous things. Uh, we have Mass Challenge coming down. Mass Challenge is, is a very successful, world-renowned accelerator. Yeah, investing in Rhode Island. We have Cambridge Innovation Center going up across you know the river next to the medical school. Oh, uh, Bryant University, URI, all the schools around uh, around around town are doing incredible things. Uh, Innovate Newport. Um, we have we have things like Octane Venture Labs. We have all these incredible initiatives, but there's no like one central resource to like go and find them all. And in the past, every single initiative to like create collaboration in Rhode Island has been very top down, and as a result, they've all failed. Sure. So. I just wanted to do something that was very grassroots and something that would extend the mission of an organization that I'm also a part of called the Rhode Island Coalition of Entrepreneurs. So the Rhode Island Coalition of Entrepreneurs is a grassroots organization of CEOs and founders of startups. We started in 2017. Uh, so I'm one of the associate directors. We're actually doing our first ever startup day um, on May 4th. So keep an eye out for that. Cool. Plug. Right. Um, and, uh, but that's just for entrepreneurs and just for CEOs and founders. And that's been yeah. great for me. But there's a lot of other people who don't quite fit into the mold, right? Yeah. There, there are people who run video agencies. There's design agencies. There are schools and institutions. There are students. There are people who are starting companies. There are people who want to invest in them. There are people yeah. who just want to be customers and be a part of the next cool thing. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to create something that was a really easy way for everyone uh, uh, to be a part of this community. And uh, we ultimately called the community the Lively Experiment yeah. for a couple of reasons. When you go back to the initial charter, this is a history student in me, uh, <laughs> of Rhode Island uh, that King Charles II wrote after like Roger Williams. I'm terrible at history, so I feel like I'm getting uh, another like, lesson it was, here. It was like 1640s. Um, <laughs> the, the original document is actually online. I can send it to you. It's very cool. Um, but basically, Rhode Island was founded as a place uh, to be a lively experiment for religious tolerance oh, yeah, I and read religious this. freedoms, right? Yep. I mean, Ro Roger Williams came down here for Boston because he was persecuted and ended up creating the first ever like Baptist congregation in the United States. Yeah. That that first Baptist Church of America was created for that congregation in 1745. Yeah. Uh, but the congregation predates it by about 100 years. So Rhode Island was initially created to be an experiment. It was a place That's that was going to be free from religious persecution, a very tolerant place, a place where people could follow their hearts and follow their dreams. And it's that core tenet that ended up becoming like a very American ideal right yeah. separation of church and state like you can trace it back to rhode island Interesting. Uh, 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 a place of freedom of religious persecution like that comes from roger williams that comes from rhode island 
I, I really think that one of the things that, that has made America great um, in the past is our acceptance and openness to everyone, yeah. regardless of their background, regardless of their ideology. Right? Yeah. Like, that has been the lively experiment um, in the United States. Yeah. And I, just, I feel like we've lost our way yeah. a little bit um, in a lot of ways in society. Sure. But in Rhode Island, that's what got us started. So I can think of no better experiment than starting a company, innovating, trying something new, like yeah. literally running an experiment. Like yeah. when you think about entrepreneurship today, it's all about like devising a hypothesis and running with it. Yeah. And if we can return to a little bit of that ethic of create making Rhode Island into uh, a place where it's 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 safe to experiment, where yeah. we welcome in people who have a new idea, who want to yeah. test something out. Right. We become a test bed, a real a capital where you have people in different industries doing cool different things and a flavor of everything. And it's not just tech like Silicon right. Valley, but it's something where everybody, regardless of what you're doing, can be a part of. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of community and the kind of collaboration that's going to set Rhode Island apart yeah. and position us to become really, really competitive yeah. um, on the global stage. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's that conversion of what, some people would call it like a rust belt city, like a city that's seen like some demise in the last like 20, 30 years into a brain belt. Yeah. It's what we've seen. In, it's, a, it's what we saw in Nashville. It's what we saw in Austin. And I firmly believe that we're seeing that same exact shift here in Providence. We have yeah. the same exact amino acids. One of the most famous experiments of the 21st century, the Miller experiment, uh, Miller Orway, uh, they found the building blocks of life. Um, or they claim to. They so they, they they had this test tube. They put all these amino acids in it. Yeah. And uh, with the right amino acids yeah. and a little bit of lightning, a little bit of heat, um, they actually were able to form complex molecules that are the building blocks of life. Um, so I like using that metaphor as like yeah. a symbol for the experiment that we're running right here in, in Rhode Island. Yeah. And it's about bringing together the right amino acids, the right building blocks. And in my mind, we have incredible talent. Yeah. We have 100,000 college students in the state yeah. that Pangea is working to, to create access to. Uh, we have incredible spaces to work out of. We have yeah. CIC, we have SEG, we have Hatch, we have Sprout. Uh, we have a lot of Hatch. We have all these really cool co-working spaces. Um, we used to, uh, our old office was in Hatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dan, Dan's a good guy. Um, and um, we, 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 there is capital out there. Yeah. The key is bringing it together. So that's, that's an amino acid that, that needs some work. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, but like together as a brain bank, we can really like help each other out. And with a little bit of lightning, a little bit of intention, and, and a little bit more of a mission, you can see how these items can come together and create this really amazing uh, experiment where someone with an idea can find the right talent to build it, right. to prove it, to find customers locally, yeah. to get capital and bring that in, and start creating these these vehicles to attract out-of-state investment capital right. of millions of dollars to come in here and create jobs right, right here in Rhode Island Rather where, where you're employing to... people and they're paying taxes and they're buying homes and they're spending their money. I mean, that's what's going to move the needle here in Rhode Island. Yeah. That's what's going to change how things are done. If people are upset with how slow our recovery was after 08, it's because we didn't have an innovation economy. That's why Nashville, that's why Austin, that's why they're beating us. Yeah. Because they're collaborative. And they brought those right amino acids together with the right amount of heat and uh, heat, heat literally because yeah. it's hotter there. <laughs> uh, so that that's 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 what we're doing with the live experiment. is it's a it's a grassroots community. It's not a business. It's yeah. not a venture. Um, it's something that I want everyone to be able to tap into. It's an open Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, we're doing regular meetups. We're yep. determining like we have. 
but but like we we're not more than a meetup group. Like we have KPIs. Right. Like we want to see a larger number of startups start. Like I want to see a yeah. thousand startups like in Rhode Island yeah. coming out of college. I want to see like twenty five percent, ten percent of that. I want to see them like raising investment capital. I mean like yeah. serious investment capital. And I want to see them creating jobs. Like yeah. we have a mission, and there's a way to measure our success. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who are very very excited by it. And what's great about I'm it one is of them. we're not. <laughs> thank you. Um. And the and the cool thing about it is we're not trying to do anything on our own. The idea yeah. is partnering with what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And and create just a crowd of people who are supportive of all the incredible initiatives that are already taking place here yeah. like what's happening right here in this room yeah. uh, and just making it there's an audience and there's a perception change and there's a mind shift change towards collaboration and support and a belief that together we can turn Rhode Island into an entrepreneurial powerhouse with the understanding that that's going to do really incredible things for the community here Providence has a great arts district it has yeah a, it has a great like like you're saying a great community of people who want to start these startups yeah but it was also voted the worst spot in the country to start a small business. So oh, yeah. like, what do you do from the political side or from that side that's going to change things? So a couple of things. So one, I, I love the Kaufman index that came out recently. It said that Rhode Island is the worst place for entrepreneurs in the country, yeah. like worse than like South Dakota. That's crazy. Uh, uh, and, th- and there's some like tax reasons for that. Right. Um, but oh, yeah, we, I, we've I, been through that a lot. With the yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure we can talk about that too. Um, um, but I love that because it means there's only one way to go. True. Yeah. It like literally means we can only get better. Like we can't get worse, yeah, and that's and that's like super. Like if like like when you watch like Formula One racing, for instance, it's not fun watching like Red Bull because like they can only lose. You know, it's fun like watching the middle guys who can only go up. It's like Rhode Island's only gonna go up, um, and, and I'm super stoked about that. Now, one thing that's good, and 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 I I've had talks with the with the mayor about this. Um, like Mayor Lorza is is a huge proponent of education and entrepreneurship. Yeah, and that's why he uh, actually spoke at uh he spoke at Hatch, and I was actually there. It was one of the times I think you had to cut out, but he spoke, and there was a big group. Actually, I went. To, I ended up going up with Larry because Larry's met him before or something. Yeah. So me and Larry went up, and he talked a ton about education and entrepreneurship. So yeah, yeah. sorry. Keep I mean, going. We, we have a mayor who's very pro entrepreneurship. Uh, I was I was up in uh, Central Falls yesterday uh, with their um, head of. Uh, um, uh, economic development they're very excited about what we're doing yeah, and, and they want to get awesome. involved Pawtucket wants to get involved they're doing awesome things that's awesome uh, we have a governor who was in VC um, she wow. was appointed to capital like sh- she helped get like version of Pulse down here um, and like obviously every politician is controversial always but like we have sure. someone who understands the power of entrepreneurship and has been very supportive uh, we have a lieutenant governor who's also very supportive of entrepreneurship oh, I met him too Dan McKee yeah. yeah yeah. he was at the office too at yeah. Hatch so like I think that we have politicians at least in those positions who are very pro um development yeah um i mean i think that the kind of the the ideology that we're going here is pretty radically centrist i mean i am i am a capitalist at heart but i'm also a believer in creating more equal access to opportunity Mm. and that's what we're advocating for Uh, i mean i think people on 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 the right want to see free markets and competition and people on the left want to see uh more equality and, and the key to the, all of that is more equal access and more access to opportunity. And entrepreneurship is a tremendous way to do that. And there's a lot of players in the system who are benefiting all sides. So I, I really can't see much reason why people would get upset with it. I mean, yeah. I think we have a lot of work to do. I mean, obviously working in any political system, there's, there's some uh, um, uh, momentum that you need to build. But there's a lot of people in powerful positions right now who are very supportive of the agenda that the lively experiment is pushing yeah that's always helpful um i was gonna say talk about a little bit about the uh reaction so far but you pretty much already did i mean when we were talking uh you know a couple weeks ago you were saying that what was it was 
two weeks in, it had like 200 and something members right away. Yeah, we broke 300 uh, recently. That's awesome. In a month, which is pretty, I mean, it's, it's kind of like we, it, I started off, I, you know, started, it's like, I wrote a media about article. Like you, you do things without like really asking for permission. Yeah. So we just like spun up this group. Or even thinking about it. Yeah. I was like, we just spun up this group and we're like, oh, I'm just gonna invite my 20 friends to it, yeah. you know? And then uh, I wrote a blog. Yep. With like a lot of like my thoughts. I was very cathartic. I was like yeah. put into a medium article. It was the one you wrote, you read. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, and I posted it and I, and I put like a, I put like an ad on it. I was like, how am I getting this out there? I'm just gonna, I put like a hundred dollars into an ad. It got seen by 10,000 people. Yeah. In like a week. It's the power, the power of the ads. Yeah. I mean, but like it was the message, right? I mean, it's like yeah. I, I've run ads on stuff before and like yeah. you don't get anywhere near that type right. of reception from it. And it was more than just a story. People were reading it. They're reading the whole article. They were coming to the group and yeah. within, uh, it's been a month since launching it. We have 300 really engaged yeah. people. Like you yeah. And I'm in it. I see it. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's other Facebook groups out there that are similar in size and like you make a post and it's like one or two likes. Yeah. You put a, you put a post up there, you get like 40 likes. Yeah. Uh, and you get and people, people are like commenting. They're curious. Like. Other people jump in, like some guys, like, "Hey, I'm a, I uh, want to get into e-commerce, and I'm a junior at Brown. Does anyone know any startups like looking for help?" And then like seven people jump in, and they're like, "Hey, I'm doing this," or "I know this guy that's doing this," or you jump in, and you're like, "Hey, I, I know this guy that's doing this. Let me connect you with him." Yeah, and that's the real power of it. I mean, I've seen that. I've seen. I've been. I'm a part of other entrepreneurial communities. I live it more global in nature. And yeah. I wanted to bring a little bit of that ethic to Rhode Island. Uh, and there's a lot of power, just like in in you know as much crap as Facebook gets. Like yeah. it's a great platform for a group to exist and for people to like put a post out there and for people yeah. to go help each other and like previously there was nowhere to go for that it's like if you need help like where the hell do you go you're pretty sure. much on your own you're networking yourself. you're on your own you gotta go set up your own meetings like here's a way like i can on my phone tap out a question or like an event yeah. or something yeah and i think like even when we when i first found out about it we were coming back from a networking event yeah. where it was completely useless you know like we didn't we didn't make any leads and like mm -hmm. we, we were talking we we're like all right all these people they don't understand like what we're doing we don't really see any return out of this and i think mike showed me your facebook page and i was like holy shit like look at this like people are actually interacting people it's working yeah. And like, it was just very like impressive. And I was like, why are we going to all these networking events where we can just go to our phone and it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to use the phone as like a medium to kind of keep us all together. Yeah. Uh, and then I, the, the, a big piece of it is like, I want to help like bring people to events that are already happening yeah. in Rhode Island. And like, we'll be the after party. Yeah. Really? You know, like, yeah. yo, like we're going to go to this cool event at SEG and then like, we're all going to Nick and E's afterwards yeah. and like grabbing some beers and talking and yeah. like, you know, I wanted to like create a community of friends really at the end of the day. Yeah. Where, like I could like shoot the shit with right. and, and like talk business and like yeah. be a part of this journey for us. I mean, I hope that I, I have this just feeling that we're really about to hit it. Yeah. And uh, I want people to be a part of that as well. Yeah. And I want to help other people like hit it and I want to be a part of their journey as well. Yeah. So, like, it's cool to see that movement. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and I want, I want it to share. And I want, I want, I, I you know, there, there's these kind of like sad stories that exist currently of like, you know, uh, like the co-founders of Casper, like started in Rhode Island. Like they got their first check from Rhode Island angel investor. Casper, so, the, yeah, the mattress, the mattress company. Oh shit! That's now valued. Uh, I think it's almost a billion dollars, if not over a billion dollars. Um, they the started by a couple of brown grads. Yeah, started by a couple of brown grads. Brown, wow. And now they're New York. You know, um, Airbnb wow. started by two Rizzy guys. You know, really. That's why. That's why I emailed Joe today. Holy Because uh, <laughs> I I actually met him at an event that the governor put on a couple years ago. Really? Uh, and I got his email, and now I just like bug him all the time. <laughs> so that's I'm wild. Uh, uh, so they were started. Like, Brian Chesky and Joe Gebbia both went to RISD. They didn't yeah. start in in Rhode Island. Yeah. Because uh, they started later. But right. like, Casper was here. Uh, uh, Warby Parker was started by some brown grads. Wow. Away was started by some brown grads. Oh yeah. You know we have some really incredible companies. I mean, the new CEO of Uber went to Brown. Oh, okay. Um, so like you have some people with some, uh, the guy who won the, um, 
uh, uh, Oscar for Best Picture. Oh yeah, Green Book. What's his name? Yeah, I saw that. Uh, a Frowley. something. Frowley. He's he's Andrew on Frowley, stage. Yeah. He's on stage. I had no idea. I saw a Green Book. I showed you the trailer. Yeah. You know, great movie. Did you see it? Yeah, amazing I movie. Liked it. Yeah, and he gets on stage and he goes, uh, "Thank you, everyone." Shout out to Rhode Island. And I go, what the hell? He goes, Why is he shouting out Rhode he goes, Island? He got up there. He's like, um, I got a long list of thank yous. First, I'd like to thank the entire state of Rhode Island. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is this guy talking about? I yeah. looked it up, and that's sure enough. So so, 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 to the point here, um, there's all these people who've had incredible success, and they took the success elsewhere. Um, and you can only imagine what would have happened if the guys from Casper had what they needed to succeed right here in, in, in Rhode Island yeah. and went out there and they raised their hundreds of millions of dollars of VC money and they were paying those jobs right here. Yeah. I mean, that would move the needle in Rhode Island. So who is that next unicorn? Yeah. Who is that next company that's going to raise $10 million? Uh, it doesn't even need to be a building company. Yeah. Like, let's make sure that those companies have what they need to stay here and that all the incredible talent that's coming to study here and all, all those beautiful minds that are coming to URI and yeah. Sauber Jean or Walter Williams and all the schools here in the state have a reason to stay yeah. and believe that they can start here because right now there's not a perception that there's an entrepreneurial ecosystem here. So they go to New York and Boston, right? you know, and that's great they for them. Paying but the leg for rent. We're, it's an opportunity cost for Rhode Island yeah. that I, I, I don't think we want to miss. Yeah. And uh, especially when the next recession hits, uh, we want to make sure we have a lot of these companies here that are, that are vehicles for raising money and creating jobs because uh, it's the larger companies that are not going to be the rebound that we need. Right. Because you said, how many people graduate roughly each year from Rhode Island colleges? Um, in my estimate, it's about 25,000. So we have 100,000 college students. So just like the easy estimate is like a quarter of yeah. the students okay. like, graduate every year. Um, I don't have great insight to how many stay. But the issue right. is like a lot of people who come to study here who aren't from here leave. Right. So like my graduating class at Brown, 1,500 roughly. My guess is 1,450 left. Yeah. You know, and I don't really know who the other 50 are. Yeah. You know, like, I, that might even be aggressive. Like, everyone left. Everyone to, because the opportunity wasn't here. Yeah. They didn't know. There's so much opportunity. They got recruited by, in New York and Boston and San Fran and all these great jobs in DC and all over the Chicago. Like, they just never even thought to look look, right here. And now uh, they're gonna. Well, hopefully not. So the idea is like they want to work for cool companies. They, yeah. they want to get paid and they want to work for companies that have purpose. So yeah. let's support those companies that have purpose that can pay competitive salaries. And mm. let's create a perception where there's awesome companies right here. Yeah. Like, yo, if Airbnb was in Rhode Island, people would be like, I'm staying in Rhode Island. To Hell yeah. Work of course in Airbnb, they would. Right? Yeah. So let's get some of those. Or if like Uber was here. Shit. Yeah. Right? crazy. Yeah. Focus Ford Media is probably going to be a pretty cool place to work, right? I think this is going to be a sick place to work. <laughs> like people want to know, but like, and that's where Pangea comes. It's like, no one, how do you, people know, how do you recruit? Like, right. people know about you, right? Yeah. And, and there's, there's, the reason why they leave is because they get like chomped up by these large recruiting people. Yeah. Um, and they never learn about all these other awesome t- opportunities that are right freaking here. Right. Yeah. Or like, even like points where like, we just want, like, maybe we need an intern for like four months and people just like, don't know that we're like young people who are like in this industry. It's not like uh, two guys from that are 60 that started a production company and are old geezers. Now, like we're two young guys who started this production company themselves. Like we know what we're doing and we're in it and they want to work for us. And even on a smaller scale, like, Oh, we have a shoot coming up, you know, next Wednesday we need a, like a PA, we need a production assistant. Someone who we wants to someone. like get that experience. And I have the perfect kit for you. Uh, yeah, Good. exactly. Yeah, I, I literally had I had coffee with a guy last night who is super freaking talented. And cool. the thing is, is like, 
we're paying you know it's right. not like it's like an intern where it's like you're gonna go bust your ass and For then free. yeah then you get nothing out of it it's yeah. like you're right, you still get a payment out of it right you know? yeah, like, they get a great experience yeah and then, and then we also like as a community get to show them like hey there's a like cool opportunity here. And yeah you can be a freshman sophomore it's not a full-time thing right but like that's the kind of opportunity that like helps them to start to understand it because like they're here during a semester right so, like what can we do while they're here in rhode island yeah. already to help them get more in the community and it right. might not be a summer internship because they're already looking elsewhere yeah so that's like why Pangea and the live experiment are very synergistic. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. It's probably not surprising because, like, you know, both are coming from my heart, um, <laughs> and and they're both are dealing with issues that I care very, very deeply about. Yeah. So, like, Pangea is one tiny sliver, um, and I just thought it was inadequate at solving the larger e- the systemic issues in Rhode Island. Yeah. So, live experiment was a way of like, let's create a distributed community. I don't need it. Fine. Yeah. I, I was the. Yeah, I don't care. Like. There's this whole trend right now towards like just distributed technology and blockchain is a great example of it. And there's power when you can get like a community behind an idea, like working towards a movement. Yeah. And it's it can't all be just me or all just you or all just like any one person. It all needs to be everyone working in unison, yeah. doing what they do really well, collaboratively with an understanding of what everyone else is doing yeah. uh, and everyone working towards the same goals. Yeah. One of the best books I've ever re- uh, read is called Be Like Amazon. Huh. Uh, it's phenomenal. You can read it in like three hours. Oh, that's uh, good. It was recommended to me by an advisor I have here in Rhode Island. Are there any pictures in it? Uh, it's a conversation <laughs> between people. Uh, I'm not sure. So the, the, the big picture, picture it kind of paints is like, you can think about business or any kind of like, like activities, like a big flywheel, right? And it's like, you have like one person kind of like hitting it, it moves very, very slowly, right? But if you have like, people kind of going in different directions and never really moves. And if you get a lot of people moving in the same direction, it starts to move with a lot of momentum, a lot of weight behind it. This one right um, here, even a lemonade stand can do it. Yeah. That, yeah, that thing is awesome. 15 it's, bucks. It'll be the best $15 you ever spend. Right. I guarantee it. Um, I'm going to hold you to it. So that that's, and you can read it. It's a great, great, great book. It was life changing. Um, that's what we're trying to do with the live experiment. So it's like, cool, I'm cool. not going to be the one who solves the capital issue or the right. advisor issue or like, like, all that and the government, you know, regulations. Like I can't. You're gonna be part of it. I'll be a piece of it, right? You know, and all Along of us with will be everyone a piece of else, it. and then all of us will be part of its ultimate success. It's a full team. Yeah, yeah. It's it, right. it takes a village, and yeah. that's why. That's why. That's one of the things I think is like Rhode Island's big competitive advantage. People ding us for our size, but I think it's our greatest <laughs> asset. Because people make the joke that everyone knows each other in Rhode Island. Right, it's funny. So let's actually yeah. make sure everyone knows each other yeah. and is supporting each other and working together. Because yeah. these things do take a village. Yeah. And it's not about one person taking the credit or having an ego. It's about all of us together being like, how can we make Rhode Island a place where we all want to live yeah. and are proud to be right. and a place that like we're super stoked about yeah. and have a ton of pride in. Right. You know? I get it. And uh, so that's where I think Rhode Island, that like we have the size is our advantage. Um, uh, we have the talent and, uh, I think we have the desire Yeah, and also just our strategic location is unparalleled. We're an hour from Boston, but we're also like, I know I say only, but three hours from New York, Oh yeah, which is not bad. I'm from New York. So I'm, I'm, I'm weird in the fact that I feel that Providence is a suburb of Boston and also a suburb of New York. It's funny. Every single, every single, for the past three week ends without fail. Um, I spent every single Sunday in Boston. Um, or I, I went up on Saturday night. I spent my Saturday night in Boston. Yeah. Uh, spent Sunday morning in Boston, and then I drove down to New York. No for way. Sunday. I was in New York Sunday, and I was back here Monday. Jesus. I had two wisdom teeth on a Monday. Oof. You wouldn't know. Yeah. No. Not I, even. Not even good. swollen. No, good. I was working by the in the afternoon. Really? Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> Crazy. So, what do we got coming up with Pingia and with the Lively Experiment? 
Sure. Um, so with Pangea, uh, we're going to be rolling out a hard launch yep. uh, in the next week or two. So okay. we're looking to get our first couple of real beta testers on the client side, yep. uh, looking to start placing some students with some micro internships in local companies yep. um, into the spring. Uh, then we're going to, the whole goal there is to get some validation and really prove out this new product. Uh, then I got to go raise a round. So we got to go raise a seed round. That's how these things work. We, we need startup capital to pay for people. Yeah. Uh, I got to be able to at least like, you know, buy pizza for the team. Sure. I got to at least, feed these, I got to feed these kids. Yeah. You know, exactly. <laughs> I got to feed myself. Um, uh, so that's Pangea is in, is in a pretty exciting spot cause cool. I think that we're well positioned to do that. Hey, um, if you need any videos, I know a company. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I appreciate that. Um, and then for lively experiment, the, the next stage is kind of piggybacking off several events that are going on, uh, into the spring. So yeah. the first one is we're doing a Rhode Island coalition, uh, meetup on Thursday, yeah. which uh, well, this might be, yeah, out, this will be uh, past afterwards. Right. So we're doing that event. Um, looking forward to that. Uh, but going into uh, end of April into May, there's two events going on. The first one is the uh, uh, Ocean Inno Tech Fest. Okay. Um, so that's an event being put on actually like by uh, Red Dog Library. Okay. And I really want for that to be successful. I think that we want to have a lot of these like marquee events throughout Rhode Island. And it's like right now we have like the Rhode Island Business Plan Competition. And like it's that one thing a year. Yeah. And we've caucus started. Like we should have six or seven of these things like sure. every other month. Like we should be having like cool, awesome events, showcasing startups, giving companies opportunities to pitch, like yeah. bringing community together. Yeah. So lively experiment. I want to support initiatives that are already going on. Yeah. Um, so the Roshan, Ocean InnoTech Fest is one of those. Um, Rhode Island Coalition of Entrepreneurs the following week is putting on our first ever startup day. Cool. So if you're an entrepreneur, or a CEO and you're serious about starting a company, um, we're doing a whole day of workshops. So we're bringing in panelists to talk about the real nitty gritty about how to run a business, how to get started, how to build culture, how to build products. That's awesome. You know, what does failure look like? Um, uh, awesome panelists. What's sponsored? Uh, we're doing it at URI. Um, nice. And uh, it's going to be a really, really incredible event. It's 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 definitely capped at a smaller number than the Ocean. Ocean knows going to be a party. Yeah. Um, uh, startup day is going to be a real focused, productive day. That's cool. Um, Sounds really cool. Yeah. So that, that you'll see on the radar. Um, we'll cool. be pumping that through the live experiment. Nice. Uh, we're building a base. We're building a community. So like join the group, join the conversation. Uh, we have a lot of other things we're putting together. It's looking like, uh, end of August, we're going to have a really, really exciting thing we're helping to support. Um, so, um, kind of private for now. Um, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there for now. Uh, uh, so Rajiv Kumar from Virgin Pulse is helping organize, um, uh, a water fire takeover. No shit. A tech water fire takeover. So they, they had a tent last year. It was very successful. They had like 600 kid people. Yeah. And, uh, this year they're trying to sponsor the entire water fire in August. Damn. So we're looking to do like a whole day of speakers, uh, like really high caliber speakers and a really fun event. So that'll be an idea is to kind of bring people from out of state and yeah. see what's going on here. So Hell yeah. that's going to be happening in the awesome. summer. And uh, I think we'll probably do some other fun meetups and yeah. bars and stuff like yeah. th in between. So I was telling Mike, I want to, you know, we're going to host one. Some yeah. semi. Yeah, we'll host one in the office. Yeah, yeah. this is a great I mean, space. I mean, we got plenty of space here to host a bunch of people, have some drinks and yeah. talk some business. I mean, it's so cool for people to see this kind of I mean, I yeah. I've been exposed to like cool studios like this. Yeah. Uh this one's the coolest one I've seen in Rhode Island so Hell far. Yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> and uh and I think people to see this would be super, super yeah. cool. So again, yeah, it'd be just a cool it's, place to it's host. It's for something. the community. I mean, like if anyone yeah. wants to host a meetup, I mean, yeah. use the lively experiment as a platform. Like yeah. it's yours. That's right. It's no one's, it's yours. Cool. Yeah. Um Cool. That's it. So where can people go to Pangea for a website? Or I guess Pangea has an app, obviously. Uh, yeah. So you, you can, find, you can find it. So our, our name is Pangea.app. 
Yep. So you literally type in on your on your browser P A N G A period A P P. Yep. It's our full name. Uh, you see, you'll see our website, which is just a landing page right now to bring and, you to the app. And then uh, we're we're mobile first at the moment. Gotcha. Uh, we'll see if we can change that in the next couple months. But uh, we're on iPhone and Android, and uh, we'd love your feedback. Uh, my email is Adam at Pangea that app. Great. Uh, spelling the same way. So feel free to shoot me an email. Um, I will. I promise you all response <laughs> and uh, we can even grab a beer. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Cool. And jump on that Facebook page too. Yes, jump on the, yeah. Search the lively experiment. That's also an easy Spelled way to find Spelled exactly me. how you would think. Lively experiment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's it. Adam, appreciate you coming out. Great talking to you. Great hearing your story. Thank you. This um, has been a pleasure. And uh, we will see you all next week. Hit us up on Instagram for any questions at up in your biz pod. Uh, follow us there, pass this along to your friends and family, screenshot your screen, tag us, we'll share it, um, pass along to friends, send us questions, I don't know, that's it, all right, have fun, enjoy it, adios, sign on. Take care of